I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I miss you, man. I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I miss you, I miss you, man. I miss you, I miss you, man. Do I miss you? And hey, howdy, hey, everyone. Your two favorite boys are back. I'm Dylan, and I'm here with my co-host with the Mutt-Oast, Lonnie. <laughs> how you doing today, my friend? I'm good, Dylan. How are you doing? Oh, mate, doing fantastic, doing fantastic, because I'm recording another podcast episode with my friend Lonnie. I know, you've and got a, you got a new microphone as well. I, I do, I do. So if I sound better, let us know. If I don't, keep it to yourself. <laughs> I don't want to hear that I wasted $200 on a new microphone. Okay, this is a, this is a positive zone in this podcast. No negativity, Abs- please. Absolutely, absolutely. Speaking of this podcast, Lonnie, tell me what it's about, please, if you don't mind. Well, it's called I Miss You, Man. Hmm. It's about you and me getting in touch every week. We, we take each other on a journey. Life, pop culture, everything in between. That's kind of our remit. So it's fairly big and we're getting there. It's episode 44 of the main show. So I think we're getting slowly chipping away at every topic in the world. So we're getting there, aren't we? Oh, absolutely, mate. Absolutely. And I have a feeling, Lonnie, that this week's episode is going to be our best episode yet, if you can believe it. I think every episode, I'm looking forward to it, Dylan. It's like Christmas Eve, you know? And this week's even better because I've got no idea what it's about. You have no clue. It's one of the classic I Miss You Man episodes, isn't it? <laughs> sure is. You had not a smidge of homework this week. You had to turn up. That's all you had to I do. At 9.42, as you, as you said. <laughs> not sure why at that time. But... As I said off the air, it's as valid a time as any time. It's as valid as 10. It's as valid as 9. What's wrong with 9.42? All times are valid in our view, so that's good. Absolutely. That being said, I was late. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's fine. Ah, we got there in the end. You forgive me, don't you? Anytime, Dylan. What are we talking about today? I'm, I'm a bit nervous now. You know, you know <laughs> what's going on? No, nothing, Lonnie, nothing. Um, I have a classic topic for you, Lonnie. I want to talk to you and everyone listening about one of the most interesting men that has ever lived, Lonnie. Oh, here we go. Hello, hello. This man's name is Antonio Inoki. Do you recognize his name at all, Lonnie? I, I don't think so. I thought for a second you were going to say Antonio Banderas, which I would have been, I would have been here for. <laughs> that could be your topic, mate. You, <laughs> okay. you can do the Banderas episode, All right. mate. All right. Uh, please tell me more. Well, Lonnie, he is one of, if not the most famous Japanese professional wrestler in history. Well, it's a wrestling episode. It is a classic episode. Not, not, not necessarily. Like, it's not purely going to be about wrestling. It's about the man himself. Okay. For the most part. Obviously, wrestling is going to factor into some of these points. But, you know, I just think he's had a fascinating life. Um, there's many, many things. I could talk for hours about the man. But we'll see how we go. I just want to touch on a few today. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, we'll start at the beginning. He's born in 1943. So, just nearing the end of World War II, I think. When did World War II get called off? Uh, 
Called off around 45, Dylan. <laughs> That's what they called it today. Said, nah, no more war, I uh, reckon. We've had enough here. Yeah. Okay. So 45, was it? Mm. So, yeah, right. Okay. At, yeah. About the tail end of the war. The end, yeah. As they say. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, anyway, he was big into sports when he was a young lad. Um, he had actually left Japan in 1957. Um, so when he was younger, he went to Brazil, I believe is where he went to. Okay. Um, and he won like various championships in school for like discus, shot put, javelin throw, you know, all that sort of stuff. Okay, so we have a track and field athlete back then. Yeah, absolutely. Like you and me, mate. You know. Oh, yeah. We used to talk, We used to chuck the discus around, didn't we? A couple of shot puts. I remember throwing a javelin once and the back of it hit my head. Oh, jeez. Didn't feel good about that. I never had a go at javelin. I think probably because I was worried about that exact same thing there happening. You I did it for you, Dylan. <laughs> yeah. I did love the shot put, though. I'd love to eat that away. Yeah, you'd be yeah. good at that. Yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. Got the strength of an ox, you know, mate. <laughs> Let anyway. that one go. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so Antonio Noki did return to Japan at the age of 17. Uh, and it was at this point that he started training to become a pro wrestler, Lonnie. Mm. And when he was training, he wa- he met one of the most famous pro wrestlers in Japan at the time. It was called Ricky Dozan. And he kind of took Antonio under his wing, kind of became his, his, his sensei, if you will, mm-hmm. as they say in Japan. And just, yeah, taught him about the wrestling business, basically. So is it a big scene in, in Japan for wrestling? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, it's like baseball. It's like as big in Japan as it is in America. Mm. Yeah. No, they, they love the wrestling over there. And they go very hard as well. They're, they're very respectful fans too. Like they don't react traditionally in a sense as you would. Like they know they're playing a part in the crowd. Like they'll cheer for heel, they'll cheer for faces when they're supposed to, boo mm. heels when they're supposed mm-hmm. to, you know. And there's a lot of like clapping and applause after certain moves too, you know. Okay. But no, great stuff. They love it. So did, uh, it, did it sort of come from America as well? Like... Like, is it, is it, did it start independently in Japan or do they sort of take it from America and then create their own sort of scene after that? No, it's a show. I think it may have um, originated in America mm. and then either that or they just discovered it at the same time, I guess. I okay. don't know. All right. That's, that's fair enough. Tell me more about Antonio. Well, Lonnie, he became a wrestler, had many incredible matches over the years. Um, and basically, I would liken his popularity in Japan as a wrestler as Hulk Hogan's in America. Right, okay. So incredibly famous. And, and that side of just the wrestling world, like everyone knows, knows him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. There probably wasn't a single person in Japan who didn't know who he was, I would oh, say. Okay, jeez. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, fun fact too, Lonnie. In 1979, he beat the then WWE champion, Bob Backlund, in oh. Japan. He actually won the title. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So they have a bit of a World Series today, a bit of a test match. <laughs> Different countries coming together. Yes. Well, a lot of wrestlers would go to Japan to make a living um, mm-hmm. because the Japanese respect the actual ability rather than the characters, if you know what I mean. Mm, okay, a bit of a different um, focus and Yeah, just culturally. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. They appreciate the actual art of it rather than the entertainment aspect. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah, there's a lot of kerfuffling about with it. So they did have a rematch um, in a, a couple of weeks, which Backland won. But then it was declared a no contest after the match due to outside interference. 
uh, and then Noki just gave up the title. <laughs> mm. um, and then Bob Blackburn won another match to declare the new champion. He got it back. So his Antonio Noki's reign is not officially recognized by WWE to this day. Okay. Um, they just view Bob Blackburn as having an uninterrupted reign from 78 to 83. It's a bit rough. It's very weird. It's like on one hand, I kind of get it. It was a pretty convoluted reign. And it's a very mm. short one too. So mm. yeah, I guess a couple of weeks. Yeah, I get, but also there's been so much weird shit in wrestling and Stranger Reigns and that. I don't know why this one. (laughs) What's one more weird thing happening? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. It's like in the footy, Dylan, and, you know, I've talked about State of Origin on this podcast before. Yeah, yeah. Um, In 87, they took a game, like an exhibition game to LA. Yeah, yeah. So they did their main three-match series and they played an exhibition match at the end of the season, which I think it was like partly to expand footy in, in America, but also I mm. think partly for the players and the coaches and whatever to have a holiday in LA. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but there's been a bit of yeah, backlash. Well, not backlash, but confusion and fighting over the years about whether that game actually counts. Yeah, yeah. And like New South Wales kind of wanted to count because they won the game. But then, <laughs> yeah, Queensland, you know, of the, of the opinion, well, it was an exhibition match, didn't really matter. We were there on holidays. <laughs> <laughs> and it was outside of a main series, so does it actually count towards records and stuff? And yeah, bit a bit of a funny one, I think. And I also think definitely if Queensland won, they would they'd count it. So oh, absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> we'd love it, wouldn't we? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, strange. Look, when people do that, just like do stuff at foreign places just to really have a holiday. Mm. Like Adam Sandler does that all the time when he's making movies, doesn't he? That's what they reckon. He just gets his friends around and they <laughs> have a holiday and then shoot a bit of a movie as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, good on him, you know. He's fighting the system in a way, isn't he? Look, Dylan, if you and I could go on a holiday and record some podcasts, we'd say yes, wouldn't we? I'd cop it. I'd cop it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so Jetstar or Qantas, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, free tickets, Compass. <laughs> Anyway, back to Anoki Lonnie. Mm. So around the mid-70s also, he was staging like these various like exhibition fights against mm-hmm. like different martial arts champions and that sort of thing. Oh, right. And so like that crossover sport sort of... Yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of like originating mixed martial arts in a way, yeah, I would say. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, it was like an attempt to prove that like professional wrestling was the dominant fighting discipline. Thoughts on that? Well... You know, is it a bit like um, when these MMA players or fighters are trying to fight, do boxing matches of recent years and they just get smashed, <laughs> but to a greater extent? <laughs> um, yeah, possibly, possibly. <laughs> uh, I know he didn't do terribly. Like, I, sp- I was probably likened to what he was doing to amateur wrestling rather than professional wrestling, right? which is legitimate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the ones they do at the Olympics and whatever, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's proper like amateur wrestlers that go into UFC and everything. It's one of the biggest toolkits is being a wrestler. So yeah, you know, I can see it. Yeah, why not? Uh, it's the seventies. Do what you want, you know. Yeah, exactly. Free love. Well, was that sixties actually? I think they had a bit of free love in the seventies too. Eighties, uh, okay. no more love. Uh, okay, so you had to pay for love in the seventies. Then is that what it was? Maybe it's a bit of a crossover. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but. There's a few things that happened in Antonio Noki's life that made me want to talk about him today, Lonnie. Okay. And this next event is one of the main ones. 
Lawrence, my friend, mm. I'm assuming you know of Muhammad Ali. I, I've actually I've got a bit of an interest in Muhammad Ali. Hello. He's a fascinating bloke. Have you read much about him? Uh, I haven't read much. Uh, I know a few things, as everyone does, I'm mm. sure. Um, but this is one of the things that's most fascinating about his career. Mm. Do we need to explain who he is? Like, best boxer of all time? Yep. He, I think if you want to know much about Muhammad Ali, it was a documentary called When We Were Kings. And it's about oh, yeah. his fight against George Foreman mm. in Zahia in Africa. It's yep. absolutely gripping documentary. Please watch it. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, Muhammad Ali. I think everyone listening to this podcast would know. Yeah. I would like to think so. Yeah. Anyway, famous boxer. That's, that's, yeah, yeah best of the best. Much. Yeah. Best of the best. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, Lonnie. In April 1975, which I believe Ali was also champion around this time, I'm pretty sure. Yes, I think late 60s, early 70s, um, he wasn't boxing because he was in court because he'd been drafted to go to Vietnam. Yeah. And he said no. I mean, like, fair enough. And he was Hmm. banned from boxing for a couple years while it all got sorted out. In, in like, his prime years, like, he was, like, late 20s, when you think he would have been at the best peak of his powers as a boxer. (laughs) He has to sit it out because of politics. <laughs> Just wasting time in court. Yeah, yeah, basically. But I think by the 75, I'm not sure exactly the timeline, but I think he would have been back by then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, he met the president of the Japanese Amateur Wrestling Association. <laughs> and <laughs> he bragged to, I believe the president was Hata, I think his name was. Mm-hmm. Hata. Anyway, he bragged to the president. He's like, and I quote... This is a quote. If you want to bleep or cut anything out, you can. Uh, Isn't there any Oriental fighter who will challenge me? I'll give him $1 million if he wins. Okay. Confident, braggadocious oh, Ali. That's him, him to a T. Classic. But the thing about Muhammad Ali is he could pretty much always back it up. So, you know, when someone's like a bit arrogant, but they're no good, that's the worst thing ever. But when they're oh. arrogant and they can actually <laughs> um, oh. follow through... I mean, oh, respect re- goes through the roof. Yeah, you got to respect that. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, classic Ali joking about a wrestler fighting him. No one be crazy enough to fight Ali, would they, Lonnie? I have a feeling someone might be, Dylan. <laughs> that feeling is correct, Lonnie. One man <laughs> heeded the call. One man was brave enough to answer the challenge. One man was crazy enough to fight the best fighter in the world. And that man was Antonio Inoki, Lonnie. Now, I'm, I'm feeling a bit strange about this, Dylan, because yeah, Muhammad Ali regularly knocks people out. He's one of the best athletes and best mm. boxer of all time. You know, yeah, yeah. Other boxers. You know, I'm, not, I'm not a huge fan of boxing, but I kind of, you've got to respect Muhammad Ali and what he stood for and his performance. And I, I've watched some of his games, his, his games, his boxing, <laughs> his boxing fights, and I'm like, wow, he, he's an athlete. Um. And I've got a, lots of respect so far for what you're saying about Antonio Inoki, but yeah, pro wrestler. I'm not sure how it's going to work out, Dylan. Well, I'm Lonnie, nervous. You're about to find out, Lonnie. Okay, thank you. So on June 26th, 1976, there was a, I guess technically it was an MMA match, I guess. I suppose so, yeah. Yeah, between Muhammad Ali and Antonio Inoki. And it was billed as the War of the Worlds. <laughs> How good. Yeah, they had, they had really good um, 
like PR back then for the boxing matches, yeah. like the Rumble in the Jungle and the Thriller in Manila. Like they kind of really sold it well. Yeah, and pro wrestling would have been no slouch with promoting as well. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I think in, in the boxing world, that's all good stuff and it makes you feel happy about it because mm. when you think about it, these are two blokes who are just going to go out and kill each other almost. They're hitting each other on the head repeatedly. They shouldn't do mm. it. But it's got a good name, so you don't really think about that. <laughs> true, 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 true. <laughs> but, yeah, the War of the Worlds on is broadcast around the world to an audience I think it was 34 countries and around 1.4 billion people. Bloody hell, that would have been so many, like, percentage-wise percentage wise of the whole world at that stage. Yeah, Pretty yeah, for, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, but have you obviously haven't heard about this fight before, have you, Lonnie? No, and I thought I knew, you know, at least most of the important things that happened in Muhammad Ali's life. Yeah. I don't think this was in the Will, Will, Will Smith um, film from 2000. <laughs> sure. I don't know. Sure. They skipped over this one. They yeah. must have. Yeah, okay. So, Might have been deleted scene, Lonnie. Maybe they do. Yeah, it's for the sequel. They'll do. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Um, but, Lonnie, this epic fight between the two that are the best at their craft yeah. was fucking terrible. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, this fight wasn't featured anywhere. In people... I would say so. I would say so. Have you watched it? It- I have. It is on YouTube. Okay. Uh, we'll link it in our show notes for everyone. If they want to watch it, don't, though. Um, <laughs> like, it's just... Whatever the opposite of entertainment is, like, it's just another level of that. Like, basically what happened is that <laughs> there was, like, special rules created specifically for this match. Uh-huh. Um, and initially, Ali's crew agreed to a scripted finish which I believe was going to be Ali's accidentally hitting the ref, um, Anoki taking advantage by kicking Ali in the head and getting the count out win. You know, classic wrestling finish, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when Ali himself found out that the scripted ending resulted in him losing, he refused. <laughs> and and then apparently Ali assumed it was just going to be just an exhibition match, just a bit of fun as well. Not going too hard. They might even go over some stuff beforehand that they want to do. Um, and six days before the match, Ali went to see Anoki training. Um, and Anoki was just going ham on his sparring partners with like yeah. grapples. And he was just using brutal kicks. Um, and Ali went there and he asked him if they were going to have a discussion about the fight, what it's going to be like, you know, and if they need to rehearse anything. And Anoki was just basically like, no, no we're fighting for real. What's, what are you talking about? And yeah, but so it basically turned into an actual real fight. Right, with so no one knows what's happening. Was that an example of the kayfabe, or was that just Anoki realizing, "No, I'm going to fight you now." <laughs> no, it's going to be a real fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he put aside the whole idea of having a scripted fight. In yeah, I think once he heard that that was off, he was like, "Okay, okay, I'm going to yeah. fuck him up." <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea of them like agreeing to it, to a fake fight, and then just their egos because they're getting in the way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's uh, great. Good stuff. Um, and a few days before the fight, um, Anoki's reps and Ali's reps re- kind of renegotiated the rules and that. And Anoki just got buried in rules and restrictions. So the rules, there was basically like no rules for Ali. <laughs> the rules for Anoki is that he would not be allowed to throw, grapple or tackle Ali and was not allowed to use kicks unless he had one knee on the mat. What the hell? 
Yeah, insane. That's like, you know, four of the main things you do as a wrestler. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Yes. So what's he supposed to do then if, if Muhammad Ali's coming at him with the... <laughs> Just Not my. <laughs> well, you'll find out, Lord. You'll find out. Um, and they also said that they weren't allowed to publish these reels before the fight, okay. which I assume is to uh, not have the pay per view buyers dip. I suppose. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> I just, just I still love the idea of someone coming in like, "Yeah, I'll do a fake fight if I win." <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that gets me. Is it just like imagine Anoki's just finished a hard day of training, just kicking bags, sparring hard with partners. You're feeling good. You're mm. feeling ready to take on the best in the world in boxing. And your reps come to you after the negotiation meeting and you're like, hey, how the negotiations go today? Uh, you know, <laughs> not great. This <laughs> is just a couple of things, a couple of restrictions for you, mate, you know. Just some tweaks mainly, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my God. And yeah, basically you can't do anything to him really. Yeah. <sighs> just madness, madness. But the rules are in place, Lonnie. Mm -hmm. The fight begins and it's just 15 rounds, 15 rounds of boring, dull nonsense. Like basically, I know he just lies on his back <laughs> on the floor in the ring and just kicks at Ali while on the ground like a baby. <laughs> <laughs> And Ali can't get close enough because yeah. whenever he gets near him, Anoki just kicks him away and in the legs and, and just 15 rounds of that, Lottie. So is it like Anoki being like, okay, if I can't do anything, I won't do anything then, kind of. Well, it's it's the only thing he could do well, to like yeah. not get hit. I suppose <laughs> so, yeah. Also get some offense in, I guess. Because um, he did kick his legs a lot. Because, um, yeah, basically after the match... Like, they did damage Charlie's left leg. He was, it was so swollen. I think he got infected and he got two blood clots in it as well. Jesus. Yeah. And that, apparently, that affected his mobility for the rest of his career, too. <laughs> and, and amputation was even discussed at one point. Really? It must have been bad then. Yeah. Imagine nearly losing your leg for the worst, most boring fight in sports. So, was he getting kicked really hard repeatedly? Yeah. In the same yeah. spot, probably. Yeah. Yeah, in his left leg. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah it's just he... taking a pounding and <laughs> clotting up. Bloody hell. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah, just, just madness it was. And I, and after the match, people were just throwing trash in the ring. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Did just... the pay per view sort of everyone turn off halfway through? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I would assume so. Like, I, I didn't watch the whole thing. It goes for about an hour in total on YouTube. Couldn't make it through. You just... I, I watched like I dipped in and out. I watched like mm. five minutes in, 10 minutes in, 20 minutes in, you know, all that sort of Still stuff. Still kicking. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> he would just like, they'd start the match. Well, they'd start the round he's standing, Anoki, and he'd just slide into a kick and then just like stay on the ground. <laughs> Because he had to slide yeah. in because he had to have one knee on the ground when he's kicking. Yeah, I love that sort of, you know, what they say, it's malicious compliance. Like, it's like I follow your rules. Yeah, what an insane rule. But that that's is. the rule he's been given, so he's got to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Not much not much he can do about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, not good. Not good. But, you know, both men moved on. They've had good lives since then. For the most part. And, you know, I think they became friends as well after this. So there you go. Yeah, that's that's also true of um, 
Ali and George Foreman because they had a big fight for the that was the Rumble in the Jungle. Yeah, that. and they hated each other. Just really got into each other beforehand, and they'll call each other out in the in the media and whatever. And then afterwards, they became best mates. Apparently, yeah, yeah, that was great. I think, um, yeah, I think like Anoki uh, was invited to Muhammad Ali's house at some point. Okay. You know, yeah, they became friends. Great I think stuff. he was quite gregarious, especially later on in life. Um, Muhammad Ali. I think he went through a lot of trauma and you know, awful things happened in his life, but then. Of course. Opened his, opened his heart a lot towards the end till after his career. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. But no, great stuff. So they mostly went through unscathed, so, yeah, more power to them. Why not? And did their the reputations obviously didn't take too much of a battering nah. after this weird fight? Just so people moved on from it, yeah. Well, you know, you'd never heard of it. and Yeah. You know, you still think that Muhammad Ali's best boxer of all time. That's what they say. Everyone still loves Antonio Inoki, so yeah, great stuff. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. But at this point, Lonnie, seems like Antonio Inoki's done everything in life, accomplished everything in the world of pro wrestling, and like our boy Superman, even fought Muhammad Ali. It's <laughs> true. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, what else could he do at this point, Lonnie? Is he going to do something else? Is he going to branch into some other field? He is. Do you want to have a guess? You get one guess. What field is he going to branch into, Lonnie? I mean, the traditional crossover from wrestling is, is film and TV, so I'm going to say movies. Ooh. He was in a few movies, but Obviously. that's not what he went into. Okay, something else entirely. Okay. He went into politics. Ah, okay. Doing a Manny Pacquiao, eh? Yeah, Jesse the Body Ventura sort of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Donald Trump was a wrestler, wasn't he? He was involved in wrestling, yeah. Didn't he win some fight once? Uh, Kind of, yeah. His representative won a hair versus hair match against Mr. McMahon. Okay, we can maybe do a whole episode of of Donald Trump's wrestling career at some stage, maybe. Mm, uh, uh, no, don't do that. Okay. Let's not. That hey? was it then. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. Yeah. 
Um, so he became a part of the House of Representatives mm-hmm. in 1989. Um, but within a year, sadly, in Iraq, many Japanese families that were living in Iraq at the time were arrested and held hostage by Saddam Hussein. Right. Yeah, you know, just before, you know, the Gulf War was mm. about to explode. It was 1991, was it? Exactly, yeah. exactly. It was on the verge of it, yeah. Um, so the Japanese government obviously were trying to negotiate the release of the hostages, mm-hmm. um, but they weren't making much headway, Lonnie. And so they tagged in, if you will, Antonio Inoki. And he took the lead reaching out to Iraq, Lonnie, because he... You know, he was majorly popular. Yeah. And he was more than just a politician, you know, he was an icon of Japanese pop culture. And mm. So he wasn't really seen as like a classic government stooge, if you know what I mean. No, he's like real. Yeah, he's a yeah. real person, which which really helped his standing in the negotiations. Um, so he travelled to Iraq, I believe, on three separate occasions within a few months. Um, and that negotiated the release of the women and the children. Mm-hmm. Um, but the men were still held captive, sadly. Um, negotiations continued, um, but were still unsuccessful for the most part. I think the Prime Minister re- had negotiated a release of some hostages, but there were still dozens left over there. Mm. Um, so Inoki took a wildly different approach. He organised what he called a peace festival in Iraq, which featured wrestling, basketball, soccer, martial arts exhibitions, and a rock concert. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean... <laughs> so he's doing this from Japan, but in Iraq. No, he's going to Iraq. But yeah, okay, that's what I mean. It's happening in Iraq, but he's organising it himself. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Okay. Um, he organised everyone to come over. Um, he also brought <clears throat> some of the members of the family of the hostages along to try and you know sway the heart of Hussein, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he'd also written like a really personal letter to Saddam himself trying to sway the release of the hostages. Um, but sadly, the peace festival happened and it was still refused release, Lonnie. So, so this was sort of trying to make it politically unviable for hostages to still be kept hostage? Is that what's happening with the peace festival? Like, what's the point of the peace festival? Well, I think he just wanted to show that there was no hostility and that he just wanted to, I suppose, like show humanity and that he just wanted mm. he just wanted to show them that they're people and that he wanted them to come home okay. with their families um but yeah it didn't... It, it's a bit better than bombing the country or something like well exactly yeah, totally. exactly exactly um so he was getting ready to leave iraq and return to japan and Nike was um but when i think he was at the airport as well um when one of his associates thrust up to him mm. and asked him to stay in iraq a little while longer because it turns out that the letter he had written had reached Saddam. Uh, and the next day they met with Saddam's son, who I believe was Minister of Sport at the time, I'm pretty sure. Mm. Um, and his son actually apologised for the holding of the hostages and he confirmed, by special order of his father, the hostages were to be set free. Oh. The peace yeah. festival worked. Absolutely. And that was in <laughs> December of 1990. Yeah. Um, so they had gotten them out just before the Gulf War began in, I think, January 91, I'm pretty uh, sure. Yeah, not too long after. Wow. Yeah. Mate, what, what an ambassador of peace. What a man, Lonnie. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and it's, you know, he used pro wrestling in a peace festival successfully, Lonnie. That's right. 
want to hear about the time it didn't work so well? Mm. Okay. <laughs> all right. Bit well, of a downer, but that's all right. Let's go for it. Uh, it's, it's, it's funny more than anything. Okay, that's good. For the most part. Um, so we're in 1995 now, Lonnie. And it's the last story I want to tell about Antonio Inoki. And it's also one of the main reasons I want to talk to you about him. Um, so 1995, I believe he's up for re-election in Japan. And around this time, he had been traveling to North Korea um, on various political peace trips, um, which if you know the history of Japan and North Korea, they did not like each other for many years. Mm. No love lost in that mm. relationship. Because I think, like, was it Japan had, like, basically taken over North Korea in 1910, I think it was? Yeah, I think there have been a few invasions and yeah. I think leading up to World War Two as well, I believe. Yeah, yeah, and mm. I think um, only after World War Two ended, they gained back their independence, North Korea did. And then they, yeah, went straight into fight. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, mm. yeah. Um, but basically, during one of his peace trips, he joked about, like, throwing a wrestling show in North Korea. And the North Korean government, like, yeah, sounds good, let's do it. Why not? <laughs> well, they're like, wait a second, what did you just say? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, good stuff. And yeah, so Anoki just gathered some wrestlers in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he organized also with WCW, who was WWE's rival at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got them on board to use their talents also. Oh, right. So some Americans are coming over too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Bizarre choice, but you know. <laughs> um, and so Collision in Korea or the Pyongyang International Sports and Coastal and Culture Festival for Peace was conceived. No, I'm hoping it was a peace. That's good. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> um, before we get into the actual event itself, uh, a little bit of context is needed, I believe. Um, you're probably wondering why Anoki, a Japanese man, was respected and basically let in North Korea, pretty much. Yeah, are they a big wrestling country? Or- not at all not at all in the slightest Lonnie no so basically uh, I mentioned uh, Ricky Dozan and Oki's mentor before so he was actually half Japanese and half Korean okay and from what I heard he actually hid the fact that he was half Korean for many years it was like a closely guarded secret Mm. in the wrestling business Mm -hmm. Um, because he was wrestling around the 40s and the 50s so like fresh off North Korea getting their independence and tensions and all that. Um, But one day he was drinking at a nightclub in Tokyo and there was an argument between himself and a member of the Yakuza. Uh, And sadly, Ricky Dozan was stabbed and later died from his wounds Mm. in the nightclub. Now, Lonnie, there is various stories around this stabbing. Uh, some claim that Ricky Dozan was borrowing money from the Yakuza. Things turned sour, you know, that old chestnut. Um, others say it was because that his secret that he was half Korean got out and he was killed because of that. Uh, and some say it was just a simple argument that got out of hand. But regardless, Ricky Dozan was killed. Um, and he basically became like a legend in North Korea because he was such a well-known pro wrestler. And anyway... There were stories that over-dramatised his death in Korea, like like when he was lying on the floor dying, he was pledging his allegiance to North Korea. Just, you know, nonsense. No, I'm pretty sure that happened, Dylan, so. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I was there, so. Oh, okay, I wasn't. So that's, okay, I'll take your word for it. 
But yeah, basically because Anoki was so close with Ricky Dozen and he's mm. kind of been mythologized in North Korea. Mm, okay. They kind of welcomed Anoki as one of their own by proxy, kind of. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so this event, the collision in Korea, was held over two evenings in 1995. Mm-hmm. Now, Lonnie, I just want to let you know, the largest attendance record by WWE for a wrestling event is 101,763 at WrestleMania 32. Do you want to guess how many attended Collision in Korea? The way setting it up suggests that maybe it was more than that. However, I recall you said this one didn't work out as well. So I reckon I'm going to go 5,000 people. Lonnie, Hmm? the second night had 190,000 attendees. Okay, I went a bit low. You did, just a touch, (laughs) just a touch. Um, Jesus, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that is the largest ever attendance for a wrestling event. The first night had 165,000. Wow, so which is, yeah. Well, that's the second biggest wrestling attendance record. Yeah, Yeah, Pyongyang, love their wrestling. (laughs) Uh, No, so we all know that North Korea is a communist country. Mm. They had no idea what pro wrestling was, but turned up in droves. Basically, that's because it was forced attendance by the government. I was wondering that, Dylan. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes, very much. Yes, um, not funny, and, but yes. no. But you know, uh, during this pay per view, that was very apparent. Like no one reacted to the matches. Oh. They didn't know what they were watching. Like imagine, like you're taught to like, like basically despise America, right? Mm. North Korea, um, and they're just seeing like this <laughs> flashing braggadocious American. <laughs> They don't know what to make of it. <laughs> no, and like pro wrestling is its own sort of thing anyway. It's already a niche thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you have to sort of know a lot about it to understand what's going on and yeah. you know, you're saying who to boo and who to cheer or whatever. And then, yeah, you're totally exposed to it for the first time in such a strange scenario. Of course, you're well, not going to know what's going on. You're probably exposed to any entertainment of any kind for the first time. Yeah. And this is That's what you're it. presented with. Yeah, not my first go-to, probably. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the first match, because I watched it, it's on YouTube also. Um, it's actually a really good pay-per-view. Like, the matches are actually really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just a shame that the crowd's not getting into it at all. Were um, there any ladders? No, sadly, Lonnie. That's why they won't get into it, Dylan. That, that's their mistake. That's what they did wrong. <laughs> I understand now. <laughs> The ladder's a universal concept. Even yeah. North Korea would have understood, Lonnie. <laughs> I get it now. You've explained the whole reason this thing went wrong. Thank you. I could have given Anoki a few pointers. <laughs> you could have. You should have. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'd watch it. So the first match, is, <laughs> this wrestler comes out and he just starts, like, breakdancing in his entrance. <laughs> and just, just like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. And just, like, clapping his hands above his head like that classic, like, to try and get the crowd to clap along. Yeah. And it's just no one moving, no one reacting. This is a great example of you know, like cultural understanding and cultural capital. Like, mm. yeah, totally exposed to something new in that cultural yeah. sort of uh, divide or, or just like cultural lack of knowledge, I guess. Yeah. 
Yeah, in a way, yeah. <laughs> They're just kind of blindsided, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the the crowd just weren't into it at all. That is Lonnie. Until the main event of night two. When our boy, Antonio Inoki, took on one of the other best wrestlers in history, the nature boy, Ric Flair. Oh, hello. Hello, hello. Um, now, the people who knew Inoki, they knew him. Like, um, they were aware that he had that Korean relationship with the government, and mm-hmm. they were all aware of Ricky Dozan, obviously, and how he's been made a legend in North Korea, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, so they knew who he were. And these two, they were just the best of the best in wrestling, Warney. And they worked the match in a way where they were actually able to get the people cheering for Anoki. And basically, like, entertain them for probably one of the few times in their lives up to that point. Potentially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They went very old school with it. Like, they kept it very simple, like a lot of just, like, punches and kicks. Um, you know, Ric Flair at one point begs for mercy from <laughs> Antonio and Oki, that sort of thing. Um, and it worked. It worked. The, the crowd just went off when Antonio and Oki won the match. And... Sorry, you're going to say something? I, I heard just, that. <gasps> I just think how funny it is, like, the two hours before that, all the other wrestlers are just, like, getting nothing. Yeah. <laughs> no reaction. Then all of a sudden, Nucky comes out and the crowd sort of livens up. It's <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the wrestlers earlier in the night got so angry, he started, like, yelling at the crowd and cussing them out. He's <laughs> like, what the fuck are you doing here if you don't want to watch me wrestle? <laughs> That's weird because wrestlers, they run on that adoration or all the, yep. all the booing, don't they? They're just, like... That's how they get their life energy during the wrestle. Like, oh, mate, they they love booze. They love cheers. Yeah. Silence is the worst thing a wrestler could hear. Yeah. So I, I could understand why it got everyone upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, and basically, another wrestler, Scott Norton, who wrestled in the main event of night one, um, he said that he considers that match to be the greatest of all time in his really? eyes. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Not, not because it's, like, technically a great match. Like, it's a good match, but... Yeah. Because it was able to get the people who didn't know what wrestling was, who just, you know, been oppressed by their government, they were forced mm. to attend. A little bit of excitement for a night. That is, and that all those things that we take for granted, like, mm. you know, being to do, be able to do what you want and go to wrestling yeah. match and whatever. But also just like the, like talking before about that, you know, when someone comes up to the crowd and claps over their head, we don't know that means you should clap along. Like that's what the thing is, but. Yeah, you wouldn't have no idea what that means, and of course you're going to be a bit confused. But then, yeah, that wrestling match is like it's doing a lot more than just providing, you know, entertainment for 20 minutes of of a, of a match. It's doing a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I, I think that's yeah, honestly, one of probably the best things that came out of that whole experience. Like, there's a whole episode on Dark Side of the Ring about the collision oh, in Korea. Right. Yeah, a lot of other stuff happened. I, I suggest everyone check that out because it is incredible. And that show in general is amazing. Yeah, I've been Dylan. I've been a bit slack, haven't I? I might have to do an episode at one point about it, Lonnie. Then to... you're forced to. You have to. I'll, I'll pick out some fun ones for you. We'll, right. we'll see how we go. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously there's many more stories about Antonio Inoki over the years. Like he's been in various mangas, had some controversies, getting thrown out of politics, all that sort of stuff. But... These are just a couple of things I wanted to chat to you about, Lonnie. So what do you reckon about him? It's fascinating, Dylan, and thank you for bringing him into my life. I'd never really heard of that before. Now you'll never forget him, Lonnie. <laughs> That's true. Can I ask if he's, if he's still kicking? Yeah. 
No, yeah, good. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. But not in politics anymore. I think he was in politics up until 2019, I think. Right, okay. Still in the House of Representatives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool, cool. So good on him. He actually even participated in that Collision in Korea documentary episode. Oh, wow. Cool. Mm. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, I'm going to go do some digging. Yeah. Oh, fun fact. I forgot to mention this before. Um, so I mentioned it was him versus Ric Flair. Um, he actually initially wanted Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and basically the WCW boss um, pitched the whole thing to Hogan, like going over to North Korea and wrestling. And then Hogan basically just said, hmm, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. his exact words were, can't make that one, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah can't blame you no exactly exactly yeah. um but yeah no great stuff great stuff now Lonnie, what's this segment of the show called i think we come into the segment that i like to call get amongst it only you like to call it that do you well, well, what do you like to call it do we? uh get amongst it oh. obviously nice <laughs> nah you coined the phrase didn't you I think it was your idea, but I coined the phrase, yes. Oh, collaboration, mate. Join I effort. love it. Yeah. Love it. That's what we're all about here at the I Miss You Man podcast headquarters. <laughs> <sighs> okay, what are, you, what are you going to give me this week, Dylan? A pretty simple one. Yeah. Uh, you know, and you've already gotten amongst it, Lonnie. Oh. So this is mostly for the people at home. The Lighthouse. Oh, yeah. Hey? Oh, hey? yeah. Hey? I'm going to give a shout out to my friend Jared, who... He got me onto the lighthouse. Um, I think it was when it first came out. Just after it came out, he was like, "Yeah, you watch this." I'm like, "It's so weird, though." He's like, "All right, here you go. Have a watch." I'm like, "Yeah, it is weird. It is weird. <laughs> it is very weird, but it's very good, isn't it?" Yeah, um, I, I think I think it all holds up. I think sometimes it's a bit weird for the sake of being weird, but maybe it's all good ooh, as well. What do you know? Ooh. It's your your segment. Your segment. <laughs> No, no, fair point, fair point. Uh, Yeah, it is very weird. Uh, It is very strange. Um, It's What's it about, Lonnie? It's basically like about these two lighthouse keepers, really. Like, that's it. Slowly going mad. (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So Willem Dafoe, Rob Rob, Pattinson. Rob Pattinson, our boy Batman. Yes. Yeah. Um, Just a tour de force. Of acting, really, isn't it? Yeah. As well. Not for the faint of heart. It's very weird and confronting and like horror elements, I suppose you'd say. Yeah, it's very psychological. Yes. Um, like you don't know what's real and what's not at times. Um, like they'll say different things happen when you just saw something happen in a different mm. way. Mm. Um, it's just, it's madness, but it is the perfect kind of madness. Like it's very stylized as well, like shot in black and white. Um mm-hmm. Lots of focus on like the mundane day to day work that Robert Pattinson has to do because he's the basically the assistant, yeah, for the lighthouse keeper, which is Willem Dafoe's character. Mm. And yeah, it's it's insane. I don't want to go too much into it because I think it's something that people need to experience themselves. But it's it's become one of my favorites, honestly. Yeah, if you like weird movies, they'll be right up your alley, hey. <laughs> which I do. Which yeah, I do. You do. How many times you watched it since it started, Dylan? Listen to you. Uh, I think I watched it the other week, and I've watched it three times. You go. You love watching the movies, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Once I like something, I'll watch it until I'm sick of it. <laughs> and then I'll, a couple of years down the line, I'll get back into it again. That's how I go. Where are you up to a speed racer? How many, how many goes around? Uh, I think that's still sitting at eight. 
Hey, um, it's a good number. Well, it'll be nine eventually, won't it, Lonnie? Maybe. Once we get up to there in the Christina Chronicles. So we've got to work out who we're going to bring along to watch it with this, haven't we? Uh, Christina. Christina, that's right. Herself, surely we can get her on, <laughs> right? Yeah, why not? <laughs> nice. Anyway, that's all I want to talk about, Lonnie, but I hear that you want to talk about how we're on the socials. We're on the socials, Dylan. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Follow along. We've almost got 100 um, followers by at the Surprisingly, time yeah. Yeah, we've been putting a bit of push on there recently. It's been good stuff. Um, it's good because we get updated each week when we have got an episode out, a bit of, bit of information, and then, you know, we'll some, some little sweet treats as well during the week if we have time to post as well. Absolutely. A little, little bit of funnies in between. Yeah, that's right. It'd be yeah. great if you could uh, get in touch with us as well. We love hearing comments and messages. Yeah. And it's also wonderful if you were to give us a rating on your podcast app and spread the word that way. It's all about that engagement for us, Lonnie. Yeah, like we're doing this for free, but you could maybe pitch in as well, you know, listener? Oh. <laughs> Do your part, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Just kidding, but you know we did. We don't get any money out of this, but we want to make sure people you know listen to it as well. So it'd be great if you could spread the word if you're enjoying the show. For sure, for sure. Couldn't have said it better myself, Lonnie. Yeah. Anything but else, Lonnie? No, no. Well, I miss you, man. Well, I miss you, man. Okay. Good. Nice. Let's finish then. We're done. Oh, thanks, Mark. Oh, Mark, the man. Thank you. Yeah. Mark, every week. <laughs> it's like the cloud over our heads, isn't it, Lonnie? <laughs> of Mark, the man. Amazing. <laughs> a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.